1: Make your second half of life even better than the first. If you've ever seen Alive Inside, a documentary that shows people with dementia responding to personalized music, that is, music that has been deeply meaningful to their lives, you've surely been amazed to witness what happens to individuals who are virtually unable to communicate, suddenly become animated, able to sing and dance with joy. In today's episode, you'll meet Dan Cohen who is the driving force behind the documentary as a visionary founder of Music in Memory, a nonprofit that began by providing personalized music to dementia patients in nursing homes via iPads, iPods and MP3 players. Since that time, Dan has drawn on a decade of field experience to found Right to Music, broadening his advocacy for beloved music as our best non-pharmacological tool to benefit individuals with dementia, Parkinson's, and those with intellectual and developmental disabilities as well as help alleviate loneliness and despair. He'll describe how his mission has grown to promote the widespread adoption of music-based interventions globally, educating healthcare professionals about music benefits, changing government policies, and shifting the focus to music research to more practical initiatives. When Dan sees nursing home residents light up with their favorite music, he questions, why can't everyone, especially our most vulnerable fellow citizens, benefit from music that the rest of us are able to play whenever we want? So now folks it's time to meet dan cohen dan welcome to the show well thanks for having me Ron. great to be here it's a real pleasure um so we were talking before the show dan and it's hard to believe but we actually met almost 10 years ago and i think it was probably at one of the initial showings of uh, live uh, inside um but i i don't think i knew at the time uh much about your story which i think is an interesting story and i don't think i realized that that you really had no background in Alzheimer's at the time, you, you but you did know about technology um, and an interest in community change. So, give, give us just a recap of how how you started music and memory and, and and from from you know from that vantage point.
2: Sure. You know, when I was younger, Alzheimer's wasn't even a, a name, right? When mm. relatives who they actually were hidden from you. We weren't allowed to visit them. Um, now, we, I know it was definitely they were, um, had more advanced uh, dementia of some kind. Uh, they called it hardening of the arteries or whatever. Wow. Families yeah. were embarrassed. I mean, the stigma was there, you know, from the beginning. But yeah. um, so, so it's true. I, I've um, always been a technology person. I am a social worker. Um, and uh, one day I'm listening on the radio. A, a journalist was talking about how um, iPods were ubiquitous. Everybody has them. And I thought, well. You know, a lot of young people, a lot of us adults. Um, but certainly when you're older and even in a nursing home, um, you, you're going to lose access. You don't have the fine-finger dexterity. People don't think in terms of you liking to have any of these things. Or, and you don't like them. This technology. It's hard to, hard to right. use. Um, so uh, I, I thought, gee, let me call up my nearest nursing home, which is on Long Island, A. Halley-Patterson. It's a mm-hmm. 500-bed public county-owned facility. And I said, I know music is already your number one um, recreational activity. You have 15 recreation therapists Mm -hmm. going around, but with 500 people. um, And there's um, karaoke and group singing and a glee club and such. But can we see, and live music, but can we see if there's any added value if we were to totally customize each person's playlist, give them their own music, their
3: favorite Mm -hmm. music.
2: And so I went in as a volunteer and uh, started setting people up. And people would just light up. Kind of regardless of their background or what their physical or cognitive state was, and I thought this is, you know, pretty good. Um, and so I thought as I went around and did more people, and then I went to a second and a third nursing home and got similar reactions. And I thought, oh, this will just go everywhere, and you know, everybody's just going to pick it up. And but I found there was kind of a real obstacle to that. Um, that yes, you can do this one at a time. Um, But is the institution going to adopt this as a policy? We'll give people their music. Mm. And the answer was, most most cases, no, Um, because it meant training and changing of policies. And it had to be the administrator buying in. And staff is very busy. We have no time for that. We do things kind of for the group. We do group singing. We do group karaoke. We live music in front of a group. We don't have the bandwidth to personalize, which is Mm. the way we Lead our own lives. We all, all lead a personal life, right. not a group life, every day, right? So, um, so that was sort of a the uh, the challenge, um, and so um, I did come around to forming um, um, starting music in memory uh, because there had to be a way to um, get buy-in, but also I needed to have a, a systemic approach to how do you train so that the facility can have. Um, not just individuals, but make it available to everyone. And how do you roll that out? What are right. the logistics giving people their own music? Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And and then, so
1: how um, soon was it after that you did Alive Inside so went fr- from the founding of um, um, Music and Memory?
2: Yes. So my, in my frustration about communicating to people, um, I, one day that, oh, this is great. I tell my family, my friends, um, oh, you should see what I saw today and how somebody re- responded to the music. They had been quiet. Now they're talking. Um, and, um, oh, how nice, Dan, you're bringing the old people music. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's something more significant here. Um, and um, And I, I'm having trouble with words getting people to believe it, because we're all our own experts on music. We all know music from as far back as we can remember. We never learned that music has significant impact on health or neurological issues and dementia. You know, those two things are separate. They're fun. Music is kind of fun. So um, I I was able to get a local family foundation to say, oh, we have a filmmaker who we could, could, you know, support for an afternoon to come in with you. Uh, and, and, And you can never sort of plan for something to go viral but the little afternoon session with this uh um resident um at a brooklyn nursing home um he he lit up on camera um started talking here's a guy who went for years people thought he didn't speak or couldn't Mm -hmm. communicate um and he listened to his favorite cab calloway songs and even when the music stopped he became all uh talkative about his family and how he grew up and how his father died when he was 10. He had to be the man of the family with a bunch of brothers and sisters. I mean, when, it was crazy and very articulate So uh, and surprising. So uh, that went viral. Um, and I mean, people, all of a sudden, 20,000 people an hour were wa- watching it globally. And, um, and so it became the most viewed video on anything related to Alzheimer's or dementia. Globally. Wow. It now past 50 million views. Um, And I think it was a big hit because people did not have a sense of hope with the disease and people are desperate for any good news in this. Um, And um, so, you know, that led in turn that six minute clip to doing a full documentary um, for people like Henry um, and, uh, um, you know, both uplifting and challenging and make you cry, make you laugh kind of movie.
1: Yeah, it absolutely is, you know, and and I think you could still see it on YouTube, right? Yeah, it's
2: available for free on YouTube, it's on Amazon Prime, Apple has it on there. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's it's very powerful. I I remember, you know, seeing it with an audience uh, in 2014, and I was like, you know, I remember, you know, after it was over, people were just like, oh, my God. (laughs) It, It was really, really emotionally powerful, you know, and so... I'm I'm glad you did it, and, and 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 I guess it's gotten some acclaim too, right? I mean,
2: so one one that year, more international um, film festival awards for documentary. It won the Sundance. Um, 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 what's the word? Um, I forget what it is. But where all the yeah. people select their favorite music, right? People's uh, and, at, yeah, and yes. And so the fifty thousand people that went to Sundance, you know, this ultimately got chosen among four thousand U.S. documentaries wow. to be the favorite. Um, so it is a great movie um it rates really highly um and it's still being shown in in schools and universities and medical schools yeah. and middle yeah. schools yeah uh, yeah so. and, and you, you've
1: said that you know it, it it serves a lot of different purposes it should, it shows you but you described it as a sort of a stigma buster because it, going back to what you started with like you weren't able, able to talk about Alzheimer's;
2: you, it was hidden it was just like oh no no just don't you know it's it's
1: not it's not there
2: you know Absolutely. The unexpected consequence of this movie is that it helped people uh, understand this more beyond the surface. So many people view Alzheimer's related dementias as uh, people are walking around empty shelves or, or oh, they've got a dementia diagnosis. That means they're end stage and I can't talk to them anymore. I'm not going to visit or my friend. No, that's not the case at all. They're still alive. They're walking around talking, thinking, and have living their lives like you and me. And uh, And they have an additional set of um, challenges to to work through, and and but you can still have you know a, a a fuller life, um and and you can still work to live life to the max and,
1: and yeah. have
3: time.
2: Um, yeah, now you've talked about
1: just some of the benefits of music, and some of them you've mentioned to me, you know, are things you don't normally think about. I mean, people think about oh yeah, music. It's yes, it's uplifting, it's enlivening, but to talk a little bit more broadly about some of what you, you found in, in terms of the benefits of music overall,
2: especially personalized music, but overall generally. Yes. Well, it's so interesting. Pain, there is actually a lot of research already mm. globally around the reduction of the perception of pain mm. because of the way music and pain signals uh, sort of follow similar um, um, paths in the brain. That the the music reduces the perception of pain, maybe twenty percent. I mean, one woman said, "I don't feel my arthritis when I'm listening to my favorite music, um, or oh, my back doesn't hurt so much." Right? It's just it's just really interesting. Um, and uh, falling, I mean, to me, I was really surprised. Different research studies, when people, you know, there are facilities, large facilities, had a lot of people with their own music, and they noticed their monthly because falls are very important to hospitals and nursing homes. Right. Because they get penalized by the healthcare system regulators if there are too many people falling, um, and, you know, because that's usually oh you weren't watching them or or something. Um, so, um, but people tend to be when listening to music they enjoy, they're more alert and they're more engaged, and they may be less likely to be on an antipsychotic drug, which is yeah. going to, by its own nature and the. Well, the statistics are there uh, that you give people antipsychotic medications um, and people tend to, they will fall more on, you know, and, 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 you know, in terms of statistics will go up for you. If you can reduce the amount or eliminate those antipsychotic medications, you are going to fall less. Um, and that's in addition to the sort of the clarity of mind and eyes mm. are open and looking around and instead of just being, you know, sort of head down and just shuffling along and then tripping. Um, so that's really interesting. Um, uh, caregiver stress. This is the person family around the individual with dementia, um, because people are more cooperative and they're less likely to get agitated. Um, then it's calm, more calming for the family. Um, right. and so caregiver stress, which is such a huge, um, challenge for people. You know, a lot of people are burnt out their home. Oh, I can't leave the home. I'm here every day, all day, uh, with my husband and my wife. And, uh, and I'm burnt, and so and so. Um, this gives people maybe a respite for 20 minutes. Okay, I can uh, go on the phone in the other room. I don't have to worry about my spouse turning on whatever in the kitchen, and or while walking out the door, people are really going to be listening to their music and engaged to it. Um, so um, delirium, which is a big issue in hospitals, people go in the hospitals, they have delirium right away. Whatever ability to communicate, my father two hours into the emergency room and whatever words and ability to, he had to communicate was gone. Everything was gibberish coming out of his mouth. And you get a lot of that back, you know, as when they come out often, but not always. So, you know, the longer you're in a hospital, the more it sort of makes it difficult. But if you have to give people music, you keep people hydrated, you walk them around, you keep them as reality, you know, whatever you can do to keep them going. Music is one of those things that <laughs> said can really be helpful in uh, reducing or eliminating that delir- delirium because there's something to be think- engaging with that right. is valuable. Speech, right. people who are, uh, I set up one gentleman who was just talking gibberish in a nursing home and family told me what he liked. Um, and I came back a half hour later and he says, thank you so much. This was really great. And i like, wow. what? You know, what? How did that happen? Uh, and later on, I spoke to a speech therapist and she said, oh yeah, we, we know that sometimes, you know, people who can't communicate well give them music, it helps prompt them and sort of brings them back even temporarily to a state where they can speak more. And so this sort of siloed information, they don't tell us to families, you know, necessarily. And um, and so we need to do a better job. Sleeping, people we know, we, we all have our little tricks for sleeping, right? Uh, but music or white noise, whatever it is, uh, can help people prepare for sleep, have some calming music before going to sleep, do help or even helping people wake up. There's one assisted living facility on Long Island. In fact, they, they did a, a study um, and they found that they got people up and dressed and going and, and uh, ready to go in the morning and half the time when they put on their upbeat music, mm. you know, it wasn't a, you know, trying to, Oh, let's get done. Come on, time to get up, you know, kind of thing. No popping right up and going through the uh, steps of, you know,
1: daily life. there. Yeah. Yeah. So,
2: um, and I
1: guess you've talked too about, the, in addition to just the the, the sort of meta uh, effects, uh, I guess physiologically, your brain responds differently, right? There's research about how your brain, in fact, they can map the brain when, when music is playing it, and it, it lights up in different ways, right?
2: It, it lights up more than any other sensory input. You know, when you're listening to music different parts of your brain are sort of uh, engaging with different parts of the music. So you might have, you know, the, the the rhythm, the beat, you might have the words, you know, and, and then the words, just listening to words, but also, Oh, but then also you're having a memory about the words and your emotions about how you felt. So right there, you're mixing maybe three, four parts of the brain. um, And yes, the whole brain just about lights up when people listen to music that they love. Yeah. That, that's that's fascinating. Yeah, I'm, I'm and sure that's that, it becomes. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. And that's becomes sort of a, a backdoor to dementia or cognitive decline that, you know, the music is uh, working with much of the brain that's still very much intact, you know, and bypassing that maybe short term memory loss or whatever that um, someone's dealing with. Yeah, I think it
1: it really does uh, show the well the complexity of our brain and our mind in terms of how it uh, how it processes things and you know we I think we are often too focused on you know uh, verbal the lexical you know aspect of words when there are lots of you know we're functioning at so many different levels and the emotional levels I think are t- are tapped you know that um, when you, when I've talked to other people about uh, dementia working people with dementia. You know they mentioned that they're, you know, stop trying to <laughs> force them into these, you know, siloed categories of of words. It's like they, you know, just be with them and they respond to music. They respond to color. They respond to, you know, so they are alive inside just because they can't speak or you know, or, or have trouble speaking. There's a lot going on that I think can be tapped
2: and and one of the um also another prominent sort of benefit of the music. Is that people tend to be more social mm. listening to music they enjoy. So, because it's such a difficult, um, it becomes difficult for a lot of people to visit family members or friends who have been diagnosed with dementia because they don't know oh, what am I going to do, what am I going to say, especially if their speech is is not the same as it had been. But if you have music in the room, if you're busy, visiting somebody in a nursing home, even if they have late stage dementia, I'm, you know that may just Gee, change the nature of it will change the feeling in the room. And, and people will appreciate your being there. Um, and we'll interact. People say, Oh, my mother, we didn't really get along, you know, in recent years, but we found there was this one song that we both heard at the same time. And we both like sort of uh, we're so happy to have heard it and share that that remembrance uh, that our relationship changed going forward. Just, hmm. just kicked it up or brought it back to where it was at another time. Um, see you just don't know the and sometimes it doesn't always work you know music is not a guarantee oh it will change but it works most of the time
1: right right. so we're going to just take a a short break now Dan Um, uh, folks uh, but when we come back we'll be talking much more with Dan Cohen the founder of Right to Music so don't go anywhere this is going to be a fabulous conversation
3: Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts.
0: Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel.
2: The boroughs are New York City. The burbs are everywhere else. Real estate is the ultimate game of risk and reward. It's the biggest investment most people ever make. Fortunes are made over a lifetime and lost in a day. And we're not playing with Monopoly money. How do you stay ahead? Who's buying? Who's selling? And why? What do they know? We want the truth. You need an edge. Burrows and burbs is your secret weapon to giving you the insider knowledge and strategies you need to succeed in the high-stakes world of real estate. From Palm Beach to Palm Springs, Manhattan to Malibu, we press the experts to expose the pain, find the deals, and occasionally predict the future. That's Burroughs and Burbs, 3 o'clock Eastern, noon Pacific, because everyone can make money in real estate. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. One talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward.
1: Welcome back, folks. We're talking today with Dan Cohen, the founder of Right to Music, about how beloved music can benefit individuals with dementia, Parkinson's, and those with intellectual and developmental disabilities. So before the break, we were talking to Dan about some of the, the benefits of music and also how it affects the brain. Um, so I want to just uh, transition now to going from his initial foray into um, um, uh, music and memory to the uh, founding right to music in 2019 and sort of the broadening of your mission. So talk about that, Dan as to you know how you decided to make this transition.
2: So, when I was with music and memory, I trained virtually more than five thousand different healthcare entities. I mean, yes, nursing homes, hospitals, hospices, uh, adult day programs, home care programs and uh, And that was wonderful, except in the u s, we have fifty thousand uh, nursing homes and, and assisted living and hospitals, and you know it's, the number's actually more than that when you look at all healthcare care um, sort of settings. And uh, I thought, okay, so we got to 10%, but the other 90% said, you know, didn't want to do it, right? So, but they could benefit, everybody's quick to whatever the new latest drug is, no matter what the side effects are or how it's going to mix with your other drugs. I mean, you know, here we have something simple. There's no downside, there's no drug contract, contra- you know, um, uh, problems, uh, side effects, um, and uh, the upside is pretty significant. For a lot of people and uh what do we need to do to um to make this so everybody has fair access if the music why not you know why can't every person who has might benefit have mm-hmm. access we right. do that with drugs we don't say no oh this set of drugs are out there they're for this disease but we're not going to give them to you it's just unheard of mm-hmm. so why can't we apply the same measure will this be beneficial will it help reduce symptoms will it help you feel better um, um, and and you know, and um, what do we have to do to get there? And so that's my journey. And and looking not just personal music, which is, was my focus with music and memory, but all of the other um, music-based interventions as they're described. I mean, singing—you know, there's a lot of research. Singing is very powerful for the mind and for people with dementia. Now, all over the world, there are sprouting up these dementia choirs, hmm. um, which have all of these uh, benefits. The process of singing, the fact that you're there with your peers, you know, you're no longer in a community where you're being ostracized or stigmatized. Um, you're with other people who are all you know, going through a similar journey as you are, and you're there with your um, care partners. Um, and so it's uh, um, an activity that has just multiple benefits and residual benefits when you go home and you come back and all that stuff. And dance. Um, You know, one of the strongest studies around preventing dementia was ballroom dancing um, Mm. years ago. And so it's that combination of the music, the physical touch, the social interaction, um, you know, all of these things uh, combine uniquely to uh, just uh, refresh the brain uh, in a sense. Um, And so um, how do we what's the best um, sort of dosage of all of these Uh, Mm the music uh, um, types that we all know about we do we could be singing in the car singing in the shower um we like to when we're at uh, weddings and such and parties we wait for a song we want to dance to well why is that you know and some music and movement are really tied together at the hip so to speak right Mm -hmm. um and um and yeah, um, that's the sort of. There's no way to describe it. You just feel like doing it. You feel good dancing. So, um, I mean, music's already deeply um, enmeshed in our our lifestyle and our culture. Uh, yet, when it comes to you know using this within the realm of healthcare and where we're a very medicalized society, if, it's, if there's if there's a drug, a pill, everyone's a pill. We've all been trained to go for the. Go mm-hmm. for the pill. Um, so that's my, my my focus is understanding what are the barriers, what are the enablers, you know, what really successful in getting what what are best practices out there globally, mm-hmm. um, and um, creating a baseline and research. How do we know how many people are really enjoying their day? If we look at nursing homes and the forty four thousand, let's say, nursing homes and assisted living, what percentage of the people there, even though there's music in every nursing home uh how many people would say i get to hear music i really enjoy every day right right would that be you know 50% or 5% or yeah. half a percent you know i don't know the answer because nobody's tracking this. Right. so how do we say we want to have a and we want to improve by 10% this year the number of people who have their music and therefore maybe reduce falls reduce use of medications uh have people be happier more satisfied with their experience um and we don't really ask um um families well does your loved one are they having a good time are you very satisfied with their daily life here i mean you know i've never heard that question from the the assist living um community my mother's in she's 95 uh they've never asked um -hmm. what do you think um why is that you know this is a why is that so um yeah, so I think you're
1: you're, you're part of the, what you're describing is that there are lots of small forays into this, but you're trying to aggregate them, try to put them together, kind of put them in context and figure out, you know, some sort of systematic examination, of, you know, of, of all these uh, possibilities.
2: And there's a lot of research already out there. More research is underway. And the federal government, actually, the National Institutes of Health, is now pouring millions of dollars into... Hmm. Music and the brain research done, you know, sort of at a very high level. Um, they've designated the University of California at San Francisco's. they have a Sound Health Institute, um, and they've given them just a, a five year grant recently to help coordinate all the research on music mm-hmm. and brain in the United States. Um, and the NIH has also issued a, a toolkit for researchers on how to properly study in depth um, music and, and the brain. Yeah. Uh, so there's a, a lot of movement, um, you know, in, in, in the right direction. Um, so, I'm, I'm, I'm really thrilled about that.
1: Um, yeah,
2: but the, mentioned- then we need to, uh, doctors, nurses, social workers, everybody who's providing care. Um, if you were to ask them, what are, talk about non-pharmacological, um, interventions and mm-hmm. when, when do you use, you know, in terms of mental health and sense of well-being? when do you use, uh, music or, you know, or should you in their schooling, you know, nursing school, medical school, do they uh, talk about that? And, and how much do they even talk about dementia as a disease, right? So I heard that in the U.S., doctors, they have a one-hour session and it's mostly on the drugs that they use for dementia. So uh-huh. um, so no, no mention of non-pharmacological uh, interventions, no mention of music, um, only more drugs. So um, and I'm sure it's not every single person. Somebody's mentioning it somewhere. You no, know, somebody's going to say, "Well, it's like alive inside." And, oh, look at this! But that's not, you know, the the there's a range of experience. Uh, but very often it's just not part of a nursing same thing. Um, so you know that's something we need to change because it will also. By people just watching alive inside, uh, they'll understand. Oh, the person's in there. It's not just patient so and so. Late stage, you know, um, you know, Alzheimer's disease. And here's the here's the script for you for their medications and done. Uh, and then they just really sit in life and they just uh, head down and and that, no prescri- prescription. Have the music, get them dancing, have, get them singing, <laughs> have them interacting with people um, as a, as a part of this, and let them have a life. Yeah. Um, and then they'll be less depressed, less anxious. They'll need less anti-anxiety medications, less, fewer antidepressants. I mean, you know, yeah. you know, the sky's the limit for what you can do, but you have to put some oomph behind it. Yeah. Uh, so
1: obviously, the you're targeting, uh, you know, people with dementia and their caregivers, their families. But as you just mentioned, so as part of it is is getting to the. Of professionals in the healthcare industry about, you know, prof, you know professional training. And and during the break, you mentioned that there was an interesting um, um, series about doctors with dementia. So it's, you know, it's often getting to the doctors and getting them to understand it and use it. So tell tell a little bit more about that series.
2: So there's a uh, relatively new, no, a few years old, uh, a nonprofit it's the, um, called uh, National Association of Dementia Minds. Hmm. And it's the only 100% governed by people with dementia. Uh, organization to raise awareness about the disease. And they have different sort of support groups. Uh, And one of the support groups for people who have a dementia diagnosis are for doctors, physicians who received the diagnosis or have currently a diagnosis of dementia. And so they've now sort of gone public from their own support group to uh, doing a five-part series on different aspects of dementia. You know, what was their experience getting a diagnosis? You know, how do they get along, you know, every day? I mean, and just from their perspective, um, really, uh, and so it's really great. And it's recorded and people will be able to access it and it's going on uh, right now. But um, Dementia Minds, the concept is is great. And there are other organizations that uh, um, really build up the... um, Communication and advocacy among people with a dementia diagnosis, um, but that needs to, you know, it's, it needs to be a counterbalance, literally, to to um, all of the other forces out there in terms of what does healthcare delivery look like, right? Uh, and are people getting what they need? That's tailored for their situation.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned me in particular. You want to talk a little bit more about nursing homes? I mean, that's sort of where you started uh, with music and memory, but uh, what? How do you really get nursing homes more on board with this in terms of getting training and understanding of these issues?
2: So I think part of the um, path to success here is actually that larger community picture. Mm-hmm. So if, if we can raise public awareness of the importance of music and then people at home, when the, as soon as the person's, you know, everybody should have their own playlist, whether or not. They have dementia because a lot of people are going to end up with, you know, cognitive decline. uh, And we want to have our playlists already in place so that as if we do or the people around us or someone around us uh, get some form of dementia, we know what music they love and just lights them up. Um, and so that way they have their own music, they're getting it, whether they have a headphones attached to an MP3 player, or they have, you know, a smart speaker, Alexa, Apple HomePod mini, um, where they can just say, oh, play the top songs from when I was 15, um, and boom, it'll just do it. Um, then, you know, then when they get to the nursing home, uh, you know, the music should follow them. Mm-hmm. So- I think it's a little more difficult to get the nursing home to sort of, okay, what music do you like? Oh, you know, they don't have the mechanism to spend a lot of time because they can't just be playing anything. Oh, I hear they like country and they just play country. I mean, think of our own music and think of what you like. And if somebody, if you liked uh, pop music or, or jazz and I just picked out anything from that world, either of those worlds, the likelihood of me getting something you love is pretty close to zero <laughs> you know we're very picky if everybody thinks about what, what they listen to during the day you know and and uh you know i'll drive my car a I, I, serious uh, you know fm and i'll i'll listen to 60s channel and they do pretty good but if they play something i don't like i go to the beatles you know channel or you know i can pop around um and but that's pretty you know i'm pretty impressed with with that so there are different ways to make that happen so and with and it needs to become as 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 people are trained they come in young people to all the different positions, therapists of different kinds, direct uh, uh, certified nursing assistants, um, the nurses, the administrators. If everybody's trained and it becomes the norm, then they'll just know what to do and how to do it. And the policy from the center of uh, Medicare, Medicaid, um, CMS, need the government regulators need to say, they do say now, we want, they do say, we want more non-farm. You have to be doing it. But there's no enforcement Mm. So that means people say yeah okay uh, yeah we we like that idea but we don't really have the time or money to, to do that pay us more to do whatever it is so, right. so it'll get done maybe in 5 or 10% of the nursing homes more uh where the, where they walk the walk but others that may be owned by hedge funds or you know private and so the dollar is important and staff and maybe short beds because of the pandemic I mean, there's some real tough problems they're working through um, but the you know if things are really tight um you know it's not going to be a priority to let's make sure necessarily that people are each have their own music i mean it, it, you know people are required or nursing homes are required to Uh, make sure people get fed three times a day, make sure they're getting their meds accurately and on time, Uh, but food for the soul and stuff that's going to make for a a life that's not just head down kind of life and and lonely. The federal government, the CDC found um, in a study that in nursing homes, um, the average resident of a nursing home has 11 minutes of meaningful activity per day. Wow. At an assisted living, it's 20 minutes. So, you know, these are questions people can start to ask around. Yeah. Um, well, what 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 do you have in the way of music? Well, we have live music. Well, what you know? But what is is? But this is the music my parent really likes. Right. You know, how do they get that? Um, can you help them with that in their room when they're there? Um, yeah. How can we set them up so it'll work? Yeah, how can it be sustained over time?
1: Yeah, it's. Um... It's interesting, you know, there's a lot of talk about uh, these days, a currency of, you know, patient-centered medicine or, or you know, person-centered medicine. Um, without a lot of really exploration, what does that really mean in terms of, okay, mm-hmm. so uh, first of all, asking them what they want. And and to me, it's it's an interesting sort of um, subtle form of ageism in the sense, like, as you mentioned before, you know, when you're younger, you know, middle age, whatever, you know, you have personal tastes in music. Why do we think that all of a sudden you get to a certain age that that, that changes or that dissipates? We're still people, we're just older, but with a lot of the same <laughs> needs as any kind of person. It's just a different stage of life, but it's, it's a, you know, a continuity. So I, I think it's a sort of diminution uh, diminution of, of who we are as we get older, that it doesn't matter. Of course it matters in the same sense that, you know, we realize that you know, socialization as we get older is just as important, if not in some ways more important, right? Because, you know, as you get older, you lose people. So you need to find a way to reestablish relationships, create new relationships, you know. Um, and this came out, of course, as part of the pandemic, right? When, when all of a sudden social isolation became a huge issue um, and and it started with nursing homes, but then we realized... Hey, this is (laughs) where everyone's feeling socially isolated,
2: you know. Well, it's really interesting. I know that two two things during the pandemic, um, those homes where people had already developed their playlists for people. And when they were stuck in their rooms, um, they had something, as one nursing home director of uh, recreation said, my people, the music saved us. Whereas other people, other nursing homes, people would decline cognitively, they'd decline physically, they'd be sitting all alone now, here at least a couple hours a day, they could have their music going and it just it just just breaks it up and gives them some sustenance. Um, and and secondly, I love in nursing homes when people identify when the staff identify, oh, these two or three people all really love, you know Elvis or whatever it is or they love. Uh, reggae or they love classical music let's have them sit down and share what each other likes best among that and 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 they can be with each other listen to each other's music and then talk about it and and uh, and so and you know uh, you know just following up on, on your point about the socialization part right what a gift to, to make new connections um right. in a facility and right. um And then end up, you know, sitting, having meals together with people, you know, who you share a common interest with Uh, common interest. Nobody's really teasing that out in communal setting. I mean, not not nobody, because obviously I'm giving an example of where that's very much done. But there's but there's no um, guarantee. There's no assurance that that personal touch, because we say as a society, long term care is going to be your home, like home. And so they have it. Sometimes they'll even bring furniture from home, and that'll be their room, and that's great. Um, But you know, music is one of a number of aspects. to What what it is you love?
1: Yeah. Right. So so on that note, we're on that note. (laughs) We're going to take another break, folks. Uh, When we come back, we'll be talking much more in our last segment with Dan Cohen, the founder of Right to Music. So don't go anywhere.
3: America is on LinkedIn connect with us today psych up live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience.
0: self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics.
3: It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host, keynote speaker, and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley.
0: now back to 45 Forward.
1: Welcome back, folks. We're talking with Dan Cohen, the founder of Right to Music. Um, and uh, before we launch into our last segment, with Dan, I just because uh, we get on a roll sometimes. And, and I just wanted to make sure uh, before we get to the end, uh, Dan, if, if people want to find out more about you, uh, just give us the website and just and contact information if they want to learn more about what you do.
2: Sure. Just type in Write to music. It's right to com.
1: Okay, great. And there's lots of stuff on the website. So uh, don't hesitate to go to it. It's a great site. So, um, so speaking of uh, websites and technology, I just wanted to, uh, we, Dan and I were talking earlier about uh, ways to access music. And, and one of the things that uh, he mentioned to me is that they're uh, gathering resources. Uh, you know, now it's the age of apps. So there are a number of apps that, that can put together playlists. Uh, so talk a little bit about that, about how this is developing.
2: So I mean, Apple and Spotify, um, you know, are very good at uh, you give them an instruction, you know, give me a little bit of Elvis, give me five uh, classical songs or, or classical pieces by Chopin and this and that. And it'll just generate a playlist for you. I mean, so it's getting very good at the verbal request or the typewritten request. And so... Um, um, it's just making it easier. You don't have to be, for those of us who are older and not, you know, the, the, uh, people that are more tech neutral or tech phobic um, and uh, and all that stuff is sort of um, a challenge. Uh, and you have to bring in other people to help you. Um, you know, you might still have to bring in people to help you set up a smart speaker, but mm-hmm. once it's set up, it's easier to operate. Um, so that's one thing. And there are also apps that, are, that have been coming out that um, try to make it easier for you to access music you like. Or, or also take into account someone's mood, or you know, what's your background, and it'll help generate a playlist that way. Um, There's an app called uh, Memory Tracks and Vera Pro and um, SyncFit. Um, and um, you know, it's just a matter of being aware of, you know, look for these things, you know, just Google it and 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 see what you find. And and it's not a matter so much of any one approach, you know. Okay, I have their MP3 player all with their songs, no. Do more than one approach to this. You know, you want to have whatever approach. You you can have multiple approaches. You can have a smart speaker in different rooms because they're so inexpensive. (laughs) Now you can do that. Um, What do you have when you're on the road? You're driving to a doctor's appointment with someone who would would benefit from just having something to engage them or waiting in a waiting room. Um, And... um, uh, and have something that you, they'll will be able to travel with them when if and when they go oh they went to the hospital they have a heart issue. Well, fine I think a guy who I knew was 90 plus and and uh, he had a heart issue he's in the hospital. I said, what do you like? He says, oh I like big band and who do you like? Well Tommy Dorsey, this one that one I made him a playlist. I came back you know three days later and he was he was okay whatever he had, you know he was he was okay. but he was standing up in his room his headphones were on he was dancing to the music. And he said, I had such a great time here. Now, in hospitals, no one says that, right? Um, And that's why I say to hospital people, you know, you want patient, you know, satisfaction numbers to go up. Just give people their own music when they come walking through the door. Um, Surgeons are all using them now. Thousands of surgeons, They they play their own music for themselves while they're operating. And they also now ask the patient, well, what would you like? because I know you don't like what I like so I want to put headphones on you so I can blast the other music around me. <laughs> uh right. and um and it'll help people come out of you know the amount of time uh it helps them come um helps the anesthesia wear off and and, and such and and it helps facilitate recovery uh when you when you have your own music but um, and singing and dancing. So just make up and we should do this for ourselves first. Right. Before we even need to do it for someone. Uh, do we, even though we all have access to music, do do we the question is do we really have access to the our favorite music in one spot? Is it accessible to us now? Or do we just sort of get what we can? And so my challenge is to get your music in one spot somehow. And once you've done that for yourself, you're gonna be a more um expert at doing it for, um, the people closest to you who you want to set up with this stuff. Right. And everybody
1: wins. Right. So, um, one of the things that you mentioned, I I think I've asked before, like, you you seem like you have pretty busy days and you're dealing with a lot of, (laughs) a lot of things. Um, but I think overall, I think your, your main mission is raising public awareness, right. In every way you can and finding out stuff for people, you know, gathering resources to,
2: to disseminate them. I'm trying to sort of move the ball down the field mm-hmm. with other people. Collaboration is key um, in the U.S., in other countries. What are you doing? What can we do together? Uh, where are best practices around the world, right? In Australia, they have passed a law that says in 2024, every nursing home has to have a music or art therapist professionally trained. Interesting. Now, that's wonderful now when the other countries heard that oh good maybe we'll ask for that too now so one small thing right um, what's the list of best practices out there globally for people at home what's the best practices for people in hospitals or in uh, nursing homes um, what's the best practice for different types of dementia we've got Louis body we have frontal temporal we have regular Alzheimer's we have all sorts of different and for Parkinson's you know dance where are the dancing for Parkinson's uh, that's big it's happening in many cities across the not just the U.S. but globally Um, and um, and and how do we mix this what's the best uh, um, mix uh, for you know us us individually at home or us as a care um, facility of some sort Um, you know how do we deliver music in a way that won't be just um, that that will make people happy every day. Mm -hmm. A large nursing home in New York City, part of the city health system, they had 100 people, uh, um, all with advanced dementia, and they gave them music twice a day uh, for, you know, 45 minutes or so, and that had a residual effect. So all day long... Things were quiet. People were happy. The nurses, the quality of work life—you know—the stress decreased, and they didn't have turnover. Didn't have people saying, "Oh, I've got to go somewhere else." You know, so they wanted to stay. They stuck with where they were because they loved the job so much. Um, because things were calmer, and and all of the people they were serving were cooperative, and it was it was it was great. They weren't focused always on a, a small number of people who were having more—you um, know—who were more distressed. Yeah, so Dan,
1: are you aggregating this stuff in, in a resource? Because you mentioned before you see um, uh, San Francisco, right, is, is uh, involved in a project to aggregate uh, research. But it, what I find you know fascinating about listening to you is that yours is a combination of research, but it's also like ideas. It's you know anecdotal stuff. It's like you know, so it's stuff that's pieced together. Like, hey, look at this or explore this. Are, are you putting this together, or is, this, is someone
2: working with you to do this? Well, you know it's it's very interesting two part on just you know, if I lose sometimes I lose track of you know whatever the question, initial question was right when when I started this, I knew I couldn't make any claims about anything. Right. I didn't know. I was not an expert in this by any means. I was you know I knew what everybody knew, and I just by what I saw and the feedback that I got from now, lots of people, these hundred these nursing homes all just um um selling this is what's happening, and so that's how I learned people were more likely to have a better diet, a better appetite, people who can no longer swallow, learn how to swallow again. I mean, so um, and so, yes, well, it's the collaboration piece. who Who are the people that are looking to change things? And it is a combination of the anecdotal and the research and the collaboration. Um, because research is tens of thousands, literally, of studies, most of them small, around music and behavior and music and health and music in the brain over the last, you know, 30, 40 years. Uh, But because there's no money around, they weren't big. But now they're, you know, getting bigger. Um, And so, um, but when a researcher finishes a study, um, and, okay, we have these great results about the music's impact, and they publish it, um, but then they have to go on to the next, their job is research. So if something really is working, well, whose test was taking that word out to the world? It falls off a cliff, mm-hmm. right? There's nobody to support it and just not say, here it is. Oh, interesting. Oh, but nobody's requiring me to do that. I'll do it the old way and I'll get reimbursed. There's no reimbursement to change my ways. So why should I change my ways? Um, just like doctors in some countries now get reimbursed, maybe in the US a little more, to talk more with someone who has a, is, thinks they have dementia and how to work it through, um it's now they're getting paid for that it's not a voluntary conversation which in large institutions makes it tough so you know how are we supporting that discussion around music and dementia or even just dementia first and then the rest will follow yeah um, so it is a uh th- th- that's my job is to f- find like-minded folks and there are a lot of them um and then figure out what are, what do are we what do we do next so
1: yeah well, even just you know, you're disseminating information, on people. So, there may not be a study, but someone say, like, "Well, well, that's an interesting, you know, institution or program that Dan mentioned. Let me call them." And you know, so it's it's sort of a connecting function of you know, because it there, there are so many issues and so many uh, p- potential um avenues. You know, a lot of it is you know, it's just getting people in touch with each other and and being made aware of what's going on.
2: Right. I agree. I mean, people. I I love connecting people Um, and and I'm not even people, for instance, maybe it's people who have dementia choruses, number of them communicate with each other. Sometimes somebody's new, you know, do you realize there's this network of dementia choruses in the U.S. And oh, by the way, in Singapore, there's one UK and in Norway, they did a five session TV series on the dementia choir. Now 200 local communities in Norway all want to do the same thing. I mean, so it's, um, It's you know it's exciting. Um, We've we've been very sort of everybody's enthusiastically operating in their own space, but there is now also a movement, whether it's live music or dementia choirs um, or dance, to like how do we how do we all connect and how do we make ourselves more of a uh, a, have a stronger message to the public to the healthcare system, and then and then all of us work together. Okay, we're all under the music umbrella. We're all just trying to improve lives, and then we can maybe. Generate the kind of public policy change, uh, funding change, and not just funding like, oh, here's a grant to do this for a year or two or three. That's not good enough because the year or two or three ends, and then it falls off a cliff. Yeah. It has to be sustainable. Right.
1: So, are there things that our listeners could do, people can do to support your work or to, you know, um, help propagate it or you know let people know about it? What What can they do?
2: Um, I mean, I'm on LinkedIn mostly, Mm -hmm. so that's where I sort of periodically sort of update things. I think seeing Alive Inside is is the very best thing because seeing it and then recommending it to family, friends, it's intergenerational. Everybody can sit down and watch it. Um, And when they're accompanying their family member to um, any doctor's appointment or any uh, nursing home or assisted living, uh, ask the questions. Don't be afraid. because Let me say. Well, we have plenty of music here. No, that's not the question. You know, music is not the same as music that's going to be really healthy for us. Right. Um, you know, two out of three people, and studies show that uh, people uh, listen to music because it's good for their own mental health and their own mental well-being. Right. We listen to 1.3 million songs in our lifetime. I mean, this is on average in the U.S. People listen to on average three hours of music a day. So. Um. So when why should people be cut off because they're old and they don't know how to operate this stuff and it's not a priority of healthcare to keep people connected to what they need, right? Um, so um,
1: that's great. That's great. So we, as, as I thought, <laughs> we've come to the end of our show. We but we'll invite you back for an update on things. That things are always happening, uh, and I think this was tremendously informative, and I really appreciate it. Um, so before we uh, close our show, I just want to say, um, that, uh, uh, once again, uh, if you want to get in touch with Dan, uh, you can go to his website, uh, right Also, if, you, if they want to email you, is it, is That's it just... D
2: Cohen, D C O H E N at right to music, sort of straight worded out R I G H T T O M U S I C.com. Right. Um, absolutely. I'll it. Yep. Back. And you mentioned that you are on
1: LinkedIn. So uh, I know there's much more to talk about. But uh, once again, if you missed my conversation with Dan today, you can still listen to it as a podcast on voiceamerica.com or just search for my show, 45 Forward. Or you can listen to it on my website, uh, rowellresources.com. Just click on the 45 Forward tab. So, folks, be sure to join me next Monday, 12 noon Pacific. 3 p.m. Eastern, when I'll be talking, kicking off National Family Caregivers Month, talking with Laura LaFauci, a veteran leader in the elder care field, who will reflect on her varied experiences working and helping seniors and caregivers. So, until then, folks, keep moving forward. 45 Forward.